born to a 14-year-old mom. My grandparents kind of stepped in in a big way. I did not grow up with a dad, and so my grandfather was kind of that guy. He wasn't trying to be my dad, wasn't trying to replace him, just stepping in to provide support. Um, literally the earliest story that I can think of that really defined a lot of my confidence was learning to ride a bike, you know, which sounds like, oh, here goes that story. It's a movie scene, you know, but it's like, I'm like three and a half, four years old, and he puts me on it. I'm pumped to ride without training wheels. I'm all like bundled up, you know? And, uh, and as I was going, I hit a very ancient artifact, uh, pay, a payphone, and uh, <laughs> nailed that thing, bro, and fell down. And I'll just, I'll just never forget, as a four-year-old, dude, like I can just still, I can replay this in my head. But he gets me up, and it was something, it was some version of uh, we all fall down. I mean, it's, it's not going <laughs> to blow your mind. <laughs> we all fall down. But he said, if you want to do it again, I will still be here that moment replayed itself over and over from him teaching me how to drive do anything in life he always supported me without fault and so this this bolstered this confidence in me that i felt like i could lay hold of that and that failing was a part of the process no matter what Here's what I want to start with, for some, just for context, for around who you are. Um, what would you say are the major things that I and the audience need to know to have context around who you are and what you do? That's great. Um, I think one thing would be to know at least a little bit of like the history. So uh, I didn't grow up playing music, grew up a martial artist my whole life. It taught me a lot about um, the end goal, being an eight year old and knowing that I wanted to achieve getting the black belt level and ranking um, and then asking what it took to get there. And so at an early age, I was able to be able to kind of piece those dynamics together through that, falling in love with what it looked like to be able to excel in what I did, but to help other people not cut corners, mm. but to be able to provide wisdom um, and knowledge uh, on how to be able to be as most effective. So learning to teach and developing that muscle was huge. So I think at the core of me, I'm someone that loves to to teach and equip um, and to excel at something to be able to help someone get there further. Yeah. So then that started translating later in life um, when I started playing music. I started playing music way late, which is, you know, now I've done music longer than I did martial arts, which is crazy. But um, I think that all of that has translated into what I do today, mm. even just as someone that carries more of like I never want to sound cheesy, but it's just like, I'm definitely like a messenger mm. first. I think if there was a better way to be able to communicate other than music, I would maybe do that. Mm. But music has been something that's been very um, powerful for me uh, and useful for me to be able to explain something and get some, get a message across to somebody, to a listener. Um, 
quicker than any other thing. Yeah. Um, then, you know, and then with that, I think that over the years, I turned my love for teaching and equipping uh, through martial arts and found myself doing that with a guitar from an early age. I mean, at some point, you know, the moment you learn how to play your first chord, you know how to do something better than the person that knows nothing. And so um, my pursuit after helping somebody be able to get somewhere, it just started resurfacing through music. And so still to this day, um, actively pursuing my own artistry and music, but also just as much actively trying to build and equip the next person who might feel like they're lesser than, don't believe in themselves, um, haven't been able to understand something. Um, so those are those are a few, I think, very big things that make up um, and have been the most consistent expressions in my life, um, specifically in music, the last sixteen years. Yeah, yeah. What what is uh? How has that played out as far as the teaching and equipping, and how has that played out played out practically, even in the last, you know, couple of years? Um, what does that maybe what does that look like like? practically for you yeah so i think it started with like very conventional guitar lessons mm. um but what i started realizing was as i was trying to pursue again being an artist what like whatever that meant mm. um finding areas where i felt like i got taken advantage of or areas that i just both succeeded and failed at um i started realizing my circle is starting to expand with people who don't just want to learn how to play the guitar, but they like they desperately want to be able to express themselves. Mm. And I don't think I knew how big of a need that was. I don't think I knew how big of a, of a thing that was because I think when you're focusing on stuff that you're doing and I'm a person that is way more like I'm not – what is it? The the left brain, right brain, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not I'm not overly creative in that way. I'm, I'm way more like type A entrepreneurial. Like I'm gonna figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, I love asking questions and, and 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 being a student. That's one thing that I've never departed from. But I'm like I just am gonna go figure this thing out. Yeah. I'm gonna ask the question. I'm gonna get it done. But then I started seeing people flock around me. And, um, it, and it's been specifically in the last one to two years where I'm finding people that I'm running with, I've been able to kind of help get under. And it's been more than just guitar lessons. It's kind of become like a holistic version of like artist development mm. um, is the only way that I know how to explain it. You know, yeah. like, again, if I'm using martial arts as an example, it's not like people are just coming in and learning, you know, I just teach them how to punch. That's mm -hmm. like my, you know, I'm the goal was to be able to create the holistic martial artist inside the karate school and outside of it. Yeah. And that was something that was implemented, you know, early on and put in me. And so it's really helping build the confidence of an individual who really does have skill, but they belittle themselves and need that support mm. to be able to continue on. Um, so I just help people not quit. Hmm. Yeah. Do you think that primarily came from, you know, your background in martial arts? Or do you feel like, you know, there's other pieces of your childhood that you can piece together that are like, oh, I can see glimpses of why I'm that way. 
Yeah. My grandfather, uh, big time. Uh, very, like, <clears throat> very long story short, born to a 14-year-old mom. My grandparents kind of stepped in in a big way. Mm-hmm. I did not grow up with a dad. And so my grandfather was kind of that guy, kind mm-hmm. of that typical thing where it's like, you have a grandfather that steps in. He wasn't trying to be my dad, wasn't trying to replace him, just stepping in to provide support. Um, literally the earliest story that I can think of that really defined a lot of my confidence was learning to ride a bike, mm-hmm. um, you know, which sounds like, oh, here goes that story. It's a movie scene, you know, but it's like, I'm like three and a half, four years old. And um, he puts me on it. I'm pumped to ride without training wheels. I'm all like bundled up, you know? And uh, and as I was going, I hit a very ancient artifact, uh, pay, a pay phone. <laughs> and uh, nailed that thing, bro, and fell down. <laughs> and uh, if you don't know what a payphone is, um, and I'll just, I'll just never forget. Um, as a four-year-old dude, like I can just still, I can replay this in my head. But he gets me up, and um, and it was something, it was some version of, like, uh, we all fall down. I mean, it's, it's not going <laughs> to blow your mind. <laughs> we all fall down. But he said, if you want to do it again, I will still be here. Mm-hmm. And um, and that that moment replayed itself over and over from him teaching me how to drive, uh, drive stick shift, do, do anything in life. He always supported me without fault. Um, and so this this bolstered this confidence in me that I felt like I could lay hold of that and that failing was a part of the process no matter what. Yeah. It just was what it was. Um, and so, again, like that just got embedded into me that early. So then when I turned eight and started martial arts, like, I mean, I had felt like I'd gone from four to eight and had a lot of experience already at a very early age of how to feel confident and how to connect to seeing an end result and trying to fit, navigate desire, even though I wouldn't have had language for it. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's crazy that just the the parental influence and like when you think about, I know for me, because I ask these kind of questions a lot to people and we all have, when I was three, you know, this happened and it either traumatized me or it really, you know, made me who I am in a great way. You know what I mean? And then, then you become a parent and you're like, crap. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> how, do, how do I not? Yeah. You know, how do I make sure that they have those? And obviously you can't force it, but I mean, you know, when you look at your story and now being a parent, you know, what are some of the things that you're like, man, me and Sasha really want to like instill this because it's something that's been important to you when you were young or something that was instilled into you or like, you know, just from the parent perspective now, like what is your perspective, you know, on all that? Yeah, um, <laughs> me and her grew up completely polar opposite, so that's been a fun thing to try to navigate. <laughs> um, I know for me, like, I almost celebrate failure mm-hmm. as much as I do success, um, even, all, even already. So, you know, working on potty training, you know, um, even just something like that, uh, whatever it is, like, I just... I want there to be so much room to just fail and flop 
because I, I remember how big of a deal that was for me. Because when I got old enough to really understand why do I think the way that I think and why do I process the way that I do, it's because it was in tandem with feeling supported mm. while I failed and that that part was celebrated for me. And so I'm sure that there's a lot of things that I could say about what I want to be able to offer my children, but, and I know some of it will develop and, and continue to be mm. uncovered, but I'm very passionate about that because of how it affected me. And I think I just would want, you know, right now my girls to really, really be able to experience when I fail, like they're still there. Mm. And specifically me, like I, I would love for them to know, I mean, I want that for their mother too, but I'm just saying like my dad, my dad's there, you mm. know, like I didn't disappoint him because I failed. And then I think that that gives you, yeah. you know, um, like that's what sets people up for that. What is it that, was it Edison? Who's just like, I didn't find a thousand ways to not make a light or what, what you know, that quote I'm talking about, uh, about, about the light, bulb. about the light bulb. Yeah. It's like that kind of idea. Like it's, it's not about like, I didn't fail a thousand times. I just figured out a thousand ways not to do it. Right. And for me, that was huge. I mean, even my journey up into becoming a martial artist, like they put me in everything and it wasn't that they just let me quit it. Mm. I fulfilled the commitment, learned that value. But then when I locked into this, it just, I never, I just never departed from it. Mm. And, um, and so, yeah, dude, for my, for my girls, I'm just like, let's get out here and just make a freaking mess mm -hmm. because along the way, I want you to feel confident that you can figure out like all of the, cause I look at her, at, you know, now, and I'm just like, you could be this, you could be this, you could, just getting excited as a mm -hmm. dad. You run so fast. Oh my gosh, we got an Olympian. You know, you <laughs> jump so high. You know, I'm like, you kick so well. I'm like, oh my gosh. And my 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 world just explodes for possibilities for her. Mm -hmm. And all I can think is I just want you to figure, I just want you to have all of the space in the world mm -hmm. to just flop because you will find the moment that works for you. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Very it's, passionate. That's good. Yeah. That's really good. Um Let's talk about Sasha for a minute. Let's do it. Um, obviously, she's not here to represent herself. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, for context, yep. um, you guys have been married a minute. Yep. Um, you, for a while, have, you know, written and performed as a couple yep. under Marcotte Music. Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you're having kids, and so a lot of, you know, that puts a lot on a mom, yep. you know? And so I'm sure that there's been moments where it's had to, you know, a little bit less of that and more of your solo stuff and whatever. Um, but I mean, when you look at like just the, the fun and the joy of being able to like do that kind of stuff with your wife, what have been some of like your biggest like takeaways and that even the things you're like excited about for the future of like being able to create with your wife? So some of my favorite takeaways, mm -hmm. um, even just thus far. Yeah. Um, the journey so far, I think has, has been, you know, I was telling you before this, like it's been our biggest fight yet. Some of our best memories and moments, um, my, my favorite one so far, maybe I won't say favorite, but I think a, a big milestone and something that really tipped us was when we went on our first tour together. Um, again, my personality is 
Who told me I have to wait to go on tour? Who told me that I couldn't tour without fans? Mm-hmm. Who told me that I needed? Who t- like who who's defining this stuff? Mm-hmm. So I said, well, I've got a 2017 Ford Focus. I've got instruments. I know at least one person in every single state mm-hmm. that I can think of. And I said, so I'm gonna start getting on the phone. Mm-hmm. And so we just, you know, we have a big mirror. And, uh, and so I got my little trusty expo marker out. And I said, Sash, like, you know, it was, I mean, our first year of marriage. Mm-hmm. And I just said, there are no rules. So let's go on tour. And so dude, we planned a 25 city tour on our own, got our own gear. I was a sound engineer every single night, drove everywhere myself. We played the sets, we connected. I mean, our passion is to share moments with real human beings. Mm. So it is the songs, but I mean, it's just like, like we don't wanna just rack up, you know, Spotify streams and make money that way. Like we want to share you know, in the moments could be a million years of leading worship and different stuff like that. Maybe that's what does it for me. I don't know. But like both her and I do that. So when I look back at that, that solidified something very, very profound for us, mm-hmm. which just said, who's defining these rules? And as musicians, like, can we take more charge mm-hmm. into what we do? And so I think what has then come from that is still a lot of like, like a lot of hardship, a lot of challenges, a lot of figuring out how to do the marriage thing, now do the parent thing, and have a creative expression together that is also crying, so to speak, for our attention, because no one else is gonna care about it. Mm-hmm. We have to show up for it. So how do we do this? And you know, if life isn't just about a balance, but more of like, a priority list, yeah. then how, then how does that work? You know, because to balance something is to place an equal amount of something on both sides, but that's not how this works. Our duo is not as important as our marriage and our duo is not as important as our, our parenting, you know, mm-hmm. like, so it's more of like, how do you prioritize that and still give it what it needs? Um, and so, but I think what it's produced in us is we feel responsible, um, to pursuing it. We've, we've shared too many moments with people and have had too many impactful times, um, to feel like, um, I'll say it this way in moments where life feels more demanding, we have struggled with knowing how to give it the priority it needs. And yet we still feel this resolve of like, it's just not over. Mm -hmm. And this season has been the hardest so far Mm. with two children. And harder on Sasha. She could speak better about it because she's experiencing what it's like not just to be a new mom, but a new mom of now two uh, babies. And um, and I'll let her speak for herself. But she, yeah, like it's been a, a, a great challenge. And it's been a challenge for me mm. because um, I know that it's not the same, but we have to learn to adapt, I guess, the same way that um, you would with anything else. When it's an individual, it feels a little different. We have to synchronize our lives around nap times and Mm. we have to figure out if we're gonna stay up and do this or we're gonna fall asleep or there's just a lot of dynamics but Mm. i think there's some really really cool takeaways from the last six years Mm. so you know i think um so essentially you know you guys have started doing a duo year one of marriage 
and it's you said it's been six years now yeah we started the duo we started the duo before we got married um so now you know because of parenting and life it looks a little bit different in the sense of you're maybe working on you know you mentioned some some like more solo stuff as as jordan right what has that how has that played into you know you talked about and maybe we can even just get into this a little bit but you know you talked about how you've been working on something and you're hoping to release it soon and maybe just give us some insight into what you've been working on then maybe we can just jump there yeah yeah for sure just as um, far as the context around the project that you you're working on currently yep um so it's been yeah like i said i've i've released some i've released a single or two over the year i mean my focus has been the duo that's mm -hmm. everything i've tried to put all the eggs in that basket um when i first started making music i was known as a worship leader but loved r&b music mm -hmm. um then started combining them together it yeah. was like who's making r&b worship music you know <laughs> like whatever so um taking all of my influences 10 years later it's been 10 years since i released um a record called leaning back in 2013 and um and so what naturally has happened in the last few months is this desire to like create that again mm -hmm. um and genuinely, again, even though it's been hard for Sasha in this season of life, she's been very supportive of this. And I think that I've always like either felt guilty that I can continue to make music mm. when it's a little bit more challenging for her, but I've been very grateful for her support in it because I haven't felt this passionate about something in a while. And again, that I wrestled with that because I'm like, man, you know, am I not passionate about the duo that we've been doing? Am I not this? Am I not that? Mm. Uh, but this project has been very life-giving for me because I've waited a long time, I think, to even just be able to, you know, I mean, we're sitting in this studio, right? right? Like, I just, I've been so grateful in this season of life to not just have been able to receive this and the support to help build it. Uh, my buddy Byron, you know, has been an incredible support to Sasha and I and to just the endeavors that I've been doing to mm. help build studios like this and to make my own music. Mm. Um, I used to really struggle because how many Kickstarters can you do, you know, and and now being a producer, I understand why producers charge what they charge. But, you know, I didn't know how to always get that money. And mm. I felt like, how do I get music out if I can only release a song? two, three times a year, you know, this stuff was very challenging. So I've worked really, really hard to be able to get to a place of being able to support myself to create music. Mm. And that's where we are today. Mm. Um, so yeah, dude, um, kind of a hip hop R&B worship. <laughs> uh, just being very vocal about, it's not even just like, I don't know how to explain it, you know, because I think when people try to categorize yeah. the Christian thing, it's like just as much as I talk about songs with, about my wife and my daughter um, is the same way that I just express life trying to follow, you know, a Lord. Mm -hmm. And so my faith, but like I, I, I took a lot of liberty, I think, in this project to talk about very real things. Mm -hmm. um, and stuff that I've been going through, I think just as a man and as a person, 
in the last few years. Um, and so it's been very life-giving to me. A lot of very early mornings, 4.35 a.m., a lot of late nights, dude, up until 1, 2 a.m., just families asleep, and I'm just in here grinding it out. Um, and um, so to me, it's been very, yeah, like I said, life-giving. Mm. So I love that. It's actually a great transition into something I actually wanted to talk about anyway, yeah. going into it. And again, I, I didn't give you any context, but... I I really I feel like you're in a u- unique position where you know you've you've done the worship pastor thing, you've done the worship leader thing. You know, you you still are doing you're still leading worship on a regular basis and um you know the the faith piece is a really big piece for you. Um but you also obviously have a desire to make music that ultimately is not Christian, it's not R&B, it's not faith-based it's just you right and it will be it will be all those things because you are all those things right but i i feel this shift happening within christian music right now and i'm just curious what you see what you're hearing what you're feeling um you know I, i know you have relationship with people who are also you know in that space and so I feel it though. Yeah. Something's happening. Yeah. There's a shift coming, I think, um, that's already started happening. And I'm just curious, like your perspective on where do you see Christian music going? Yeah. And, and even to worship. You yeah. Know I mean? Yeah. I, um, it's a, it's a big one to, it's a big one to talk through. Um, I think genre, defi- like genre is really, really hard because mm-hmm. people have, created classifications um i was just even having a conversation the other day with someone where i'm like we're talking about conventional stuff even in church and i'm like you do realize that 50 years ago like people thought the electric guitar was the devil in church and like you like this stuff is so silly but this expression is actually the new kid on the block Mm. and we've had to call something so everyone's always trying to define something Mm. the reason and again, I'm out here trying not to sound cheesy about stuff, but being a biracial kid, you realize that like I've spent my whole life, and I'm, we're not we don't have to go down this this tangent, but I spent the majority of my life trying to navigate how not to choose a side because I was just as much one as the other, mm. right? So black friends thinking, dog, you are too this. White friends thinking, you know, dude, you are too this. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm like, this is crazy. Like I I just am me. Yeah. So when it came to music, when it came to faith, I'm like, why do you, why do you care that much? Mm-hmm. That I, like, yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, like, hey, you skip the song, mm-hmm. you know, because the next joint is a love song to my wife. Right. You like that one, <laughs> but you do realize that my messaging is the same. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, so when it comes to the holistic view of like worship music, especially someone again, like you said, I, I have not, I have not stopped actively leading. Mm-hmm. Sunday morning or parachurch organization worship, being a part mm-hmm. of IHOP and YWAM and local church for 16 years. I, I mean, I've done it straight yep. while maintaining a pursuit of wondering why did God ask me to do music, bro? Mm-hmm. When I was 17, I let go of karate to pick up music. And I'm thinking, I mean, no disrespect by this, but I was like, don't you have enough Chris Tomlins in the world? Mm-hmm. Like, don't you just have enough people who want to str- I'm I'm flipping 12 feet in the air. Let's just do karate for mm-hmm. Jesus. 
I like that way more than playing this piano because I don't know how to sing and I don't know how to play. Mm -hmm. But there was a lot of grace to be able to pursue that. And so when I look all these years later, I agree with you where I don't fully know how to put my finger on it. And I, this is going to sound, I don't know how this is going to sound, but I think it genuinely is people like me. There's a lot of us, mm -hmm. but I think there's, it's people like me who I'm not chasing a placement. Mm. I'm not chasing. Uh, it's fine if you are. It's mm -hmm. fine if you're a part of something. It's fine if you're a part of a label. I, I have so many friends, bro, mm -hmm. who are big time in it. I love that for you. Mm -hmm. Like that's, that's not even what I'm talking about. I just am at a place where because of how I want to express, I'm not trying to release this under Christian banner, but it's not because I'm afraid to be a Christian. Mm -hmm. It's just because this is actually for anyone if you want to listen to it. I think the position that a lot of people are trying to take because people have been trying to apologize so much for wanting to make all kinds of music that it's like, it was hard for people to see me start making other music because they only knew me for one thing. Mm. But I'm very passionate about, hey, like, you don't know what I'm called to do. I had three things when I prayed about it that were very clear to me. God, what you want me to do with this? He's like, I want you to adore me with it. What's that mean? Well, you were the kid who couldn't sing, couldn't play. I just want you to always still remember that before anyone hit the the link, the dot com, added you, paid for you to come out to a thing, I loved listening to you when you sounded awful. So just keep doing that. Like keep that heart posture alive in this room when you're not recording and no one's around. I said, okay, I want you to reach the lost and I want you to encourage the church. And I said, done. So... When it comes to what I do with my wife, it is just as much holy mm -hmm. as it is when I write a corporate worship song. Um, I've had very real, I, I, I've had very real conversations with people who are just like, why do you do that it has nothing to do with anything? And I'm just like, are you, you're missing the whole point. You know how much, mm -hmm. you, the, how high the divorce rate is. Do you know how, do you know how many marriages are struggling? Do you know, I'm not saying that me and Sasha even have it all together. We're just partnering with God to try to process love in all its shapes and forms, the full spectrum of it out loud through music to encourage people to understand what love is and what covenant is and what hardship is and what the process is. And so I'm very committed to processing the process mm -hmm. because life is hard. A lot of this record that anyone will, when you listen to it, you're going to feel a lot of pain, mm -hmm. but you're going to, listen to a dude who erupted through a lot of that pain, excuse me, and see just a God who's faithful. I'm not, I'm not trying. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to get in a room and write a Christian song. Yep. I am one. Mm -hmm. And I have a real relationship with a God. So what I think we're going to see is a lot of people who start to maybe throw away a little bit of the classifications, even though they're going to try to be thrown on them. And a lot of it, for what it's worth, is because of, of money mm. and status. And there's just going to be people who follow Jesus who just go, the music I make, you know, even people who don't outwardly put Jesus in a song, you know, I just think you're going to start seeing people who, maybe just want to be as like genuinely as honest and as vulnerable as they possibly can 
because sometimes with Christian songs, even though we do know the answer and the end of the story, some of it's just to this. And we don't have a lot of people who are genuinely processing. When we read in scripture, we're seeing a lot of the in-between. Yeah. We're, we're hearing about a lot of pain. We're seeing a, about, we're hearing about a lot of screw ups and I'm very committed to that, um, process. And again, I just want to share messages. So if it's about time is going too fast with my kids, you're going to probably hear that song. Mm -hmm. If it's about, you know, devotion to my wife, you're going to hear that. Um, but I think industry is a very aggressive thing, but I think that, um, some of the changes might come from, um, dudes like me who just don't care. And I don't know how that changes. If eyes get on it, people enjoy it, but I've stopped trying to write according to those guidelines or to the hopes of this being like something. Yeah. And just trying to be authentic. And that has, I feel like I've always, I thought that I've always been able to maintain that until I started making this record and ran into a lot of insecurities that I had to push through. Mm. So that's not a super clear answer to that because I don't know if there is one. And other people might have other insights who are in the industry and in a very deep way. Um, But even with uh, genuinely the like big ends that I have, I've avoided going there because I just don't care to know uh, everything that's going on. Mm. Um, I just want to be really present right now with maybe showcasing and just being a small drop in that bucket of people maybe that are trying to muster up some confidence to make music that they just care about. And it's not really about anything else as believers. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's a, a huge piece. And you know, what I think is interesting is you're seeing really big, ccli artists right you know people who have you know songs who are playing on k-love and playing you know within the christian you know music industry who are even starting to do some of that kind of stuff for sure like i mean even we were talking about Corey earlier but yep. Corey's a great example of like excellent what he's doing right now recently you know writing songs that aren't necessarily corporate worship songs they're just like Correct. like the most recent song you know these are the days are the i days, think yeah. just writing about his kids and like you know, and it's still impacting people yes. emotionally. It's yes. still speaking to people, even though it's not necessarily, and it's still glorifying God yep. because it's unto God, even though it's not necessarily, you know, talking about God directly. Yep. You know what I mean? And so. Because even songs like Kind. Yes. He, it, that's like, it takes me back to the ongoing conversation, even with songs like How He Loves Us, you know, everyone's so quick to classify something. John Mark McMillan, you know, I mean, that was tragic what happened to his friend. He wrote that song in response to that and let the writer be the writer. Mm. But it wasn't his, it, it, it like, it, it's not like he was trying to make yeah. a corporate worship song that everyone needed to fight about a lyric over. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that's just what we are so quick to do in, in our, in the, in the Christian industry is we have to define it real quick. Yeah. And the moment it gets sung from a corporate stage where we're trying to unify an expression with people, we lose what's there. Because mm. I would listen to even Kind if I did not know Corey. Mm. I just go, that is a song. That's not. He's not even trying to write a corporate worship song. Clearly, he's not trying. 
he's just a, he's someone who follows God. Mm -hmm. And after through all of this stuff, he just goes, Hey, the God I know is this. Mm -hmm. The same way he goes, these are the days that we'll want back. Yep. Like, you know, and yep. I, it's just that. So that's a wonderful example of what we're seeing, um, you know, is people beginning to tap into, oh, I don't really, it's not, I don't have to fit mm. an expectation that's been put on me. He's a great example of what's going on. I love that you mentioned him. Yeah. So yeah. that's perfect. You know, you're, you're looking at, you know, with this most recent project, you know, you, you said your, your goal is this fall. Um, I'm curious to know, like for the person who's, you know, not where you are, doesn't have the experience you've had, but is wanting to put out music, right? Like they're, they're, um, maybe they're new to songwriting, maybe they're new to producing, maybe they've done one or the other, but haven't really had to do all of it for themselves or whatever, but they're wanting to put something out. What would you say to just encourage the person who, again, isn't where you are yet, maybe just a few years behind you, you know, um, encourage them to put more stuff out, encourage them to just, you know, if you're going to come under someone, even just like for the person who's listening right now, who, who wants to be there eventually, you know, how would you encourage them? What would be the things if you were sitting across from me, across from them at coffee, like we are now and you're you yeah. know encouraging them, what would you be telling them? Yeah. Uh, the first thing I would probably say is there's more in your control than isn't. And I think that, that was always a lie for me. Mm -hmm. um, now, again, the advancements over the years of home studio, the fact that I built my home, my first home studio for like nothing. Mm -hmm. um, I did a thing where I found like a home studio for like 150 bucks on Facebook Marketplace. I'm like, the, the cost of entry mm -hmm. is significantly less um, and way more accessible. But then... As much as I would say that, I would say there's more in your control to do today. Mm. And um, and I, it would be hard for me to look across from someone now. Well, I do this every week. Look across at people and mm. say, uh, get your phone out and just start. Mm. Um, that's something that I regret not doing more, even before it felt like it was super prominent. Mm of a thing when really we were posting on Facebook and all this stuff and people were putting covers and stuff on YouTube. But the reality is, is I used to have so much pride around it. I wanted it all to be, um, my original music. I want, you know, versus just the way I do how great is our God is different than any other person that does it, you know? And, mm -hmm. and so the best time to start is today. So I just think that like, like, and not everyone wants to be a producer. Yeah. I don't even really want to be a producer. I just don't want to, I just don't have, I got more time than money. Noah, mm -hmm. You feel me? Like yep, yep. that's my motto. Even yep. if I have more money, I've got more time than money. Mm -hmm. And that used to be a thing that my mom would say with driving the car, mm -hmm. hey, don't get pulled over. You got more time than money. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like you can get to where you're getting to, but you're not trying to pay that ticket. Mm -hmm. And so later on in life, I was like, dog, I got way more time than money. And so I had people, bro, from the early days of being, 15 years ago of a dude telling me, bro, you can't sing at all, all the way up to people like, well, maybe you're not a producer, just be an artist. And I'm just like, you have no idea how that fuels me. Mm. You know, I'm, I, I would consider myself a new producer, but I don't, I don't care, bro. I'm in here making records. Mm -hmm. 
for me and for other people. And so I would tell someone, start today, get your phone out, record crap. Mm -hmm. Just start playing music. Because at the end of the day, building, that's what happened at the House of Prayer, and I didn't know it was happening. Mm -hmm. Because we were live streamed, every single week people would watch me. Every single week. Mm -hmm. And it started opening, and I wasn't trying for that. I wasn't trying for anything. I was just being faithful to the thing that was in front of me. Um, and so what I tell people all the time is say yes to everything. There's going to be a season of your life where the demand is different. Mm -hmm. And right now, just say yes to everything, everything. I don't care what it is. I played weddings, Noah. I played funerals. I got flown out where this dude's intention was to have me marry his daughter. And I didn't know it till I got there. I was, dude, I've had the craziest stuff happen mm -hmm. and it's all added up to being in this room today and being like, I can make a song right now, a hundred percent by myself and feel just as confident releasing it as I did any of the music that was done before by people who are far greater than me. Mm. And so I just think that like, there is so much more that we can take control of as artists than what is ever, I mean, people would be so mad from back in the day when they just slaved over getting just some studio time. Mm. And now they're like, hold on, studio time can be, I, dog, I got studio time whenever I want it. Yep. But anyone, I genuinely believe that anyone can do that mm -hmm. if they've set their sights on it and can learn it. So you got to pick something that's ahead of you to pursue every day. But then you got to look at the thing that can be done today. And if I was looking at myself even 10 years ago, mm -hmm. today, Jordan, you can play a guitar and you can sing and you have an iPhone. Start right now. Mm -hmm. It costs you zero to post videos on YouTube and all of that stuff. Um, and so everyone's goals are different. Some yep. people don't wanna play live, blah, blah, blah. But those are fundamental things. Say yes to everything. Have something ahead of you that you're working on every single day. And then the thing that you can do today, start doing it. Cause mm -hmm. you'll look back in five years and you'll be like, now I'm producing songs and oh, by the way, I have a 300 video catalog of everything that I've done. Mm -hmm. And now people wanna give you money. You haven't even put out an album yet, and now you're selling out tours because people fell in love with you on the internet. Yep. Oh, zero. Mm. Let the algorithm work for you and just do it. <laughs> that's free. Yeah, it's free. And yeah. it's that's changed even so much since when you first started. It has. Like, Absolutely. There's so much more opportunity. And and what's funny is like all the time people, I hear people talking like, you know, there's, it's not even just music. Just anything creatively you want to do. Not even just creatively. Like there's there's moms just making money selling digital products on how to raise two kids. You know what I mean? Like it's not like, you know what I mean? It's not like it's endless. It's there's the opportunities, you know, unbelievable. Yes. And I think people get so, especially creatives get so caught up on, you know, just the concept of, there seems to be like this downer personality, this downer kind of like, you know, there's no room for me. There's no, you know, it's not enough, whatever. It's too saturated. And it's like, bro, it's all a lie. It's, it's just not true. It's, it's not true. And and I think, you know, what the next generation and, and a big reason, you know, why I feel like the purpose that this, even the podcast serves and being able to talk to people like you who can encourage the next generation of like, you have no idea the, the opportunity you have in front of you. And then I think the other piece too, that's really interesting is like, when we're young, I remember being in high school and thinking like high school was it. For sure. You know that feeling? I do. Of like yeah. being young and like that's it. And, yeah. you know, when I think about 
back in, you know, in those days when I would hear, you know, people talk about, you know, there's so much time and, and, you know, you're, you're so young and there's so much opportunity ahead of you. And, and so I, I understand like why the generation can feel, I empathize with why they could feel that way because I remember not even being able to think outside of high school, like perspective wise, not even being able to process like what anything could look like 10 years from, from then, you know? And I just think it's like, I think they need to be encouraged that like, yes, there's lots of opportunity, but also like you have to play the long game and it's hard to see the long game when you're young because the long game seems two years away. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like Uh, the long game is when I graduate as a senior and then figure out what college is. Maybe that's what the long game is. But truthfully, the long game is like, you know, if you did this thing for 30 years, you'd probably be a pro at it. Yep. But most people don't do that. Correct. So I think that's the the other piece to even just add to what you're saying. Um, And if you have anything to speak on that, you know, for sure. But definitely like just the concept of like, I think people just don't do it for long enough to actually, to actually even see if it's worth something that they should continue yeah. doing. I feel like we have this like short, short game mentality where it's like, oh, I'll try something. And I'm, I'm guilty of this. I've done things where I'll try something new, do it for six months, didn't see any payoff or reward. And so I'll move on to the next thing. Yeah. But, you know, how do you be okay with that process? Yeah. And, and not even feeling guilty about it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, again, it takes me back to my karate days because, so for instance, a good example is um, to get a black belt at that time, okay, you start as a white belt, you got seven belts up until, in my style, up mm-hmm. until you can reach your black belt. Um, you get six tips on a belt, you test for a tip one every month, every six months you test for a belt. Mm-hmm. So this is going to naturally take you four or five years based on just what that looks like. But then when you, when you become a black belt, it's a new beginning because in our style, again, there are nine black Mm -hmm. belts. Um, but to test for the second one, for instance, was a test of time, not of requirement. Mm -hmm. So it was different where you, I, I learned everything to test for my second degree black belt in six months, but you had to wait two years to do it. You just had to learn the importance of some things are literally time under tension. Mm. That's all it is. And our, yeah, this generation, like I think that there's still a little bit of, you know, I, I think it's a little different because of how fast things are. And yeah. back then there was no like viral, yeah. things just didn't work like that. You know, mm-hmm. we didn't really know that. We actually had to wait every week mm-hmm. for the next episode. All 10 didn't drop at once. Like this generation really is. The fastest thing we had was a micro, uh, was a microwave. I mean, yep, yep. that was it. So 100% agree um, because that's even crazy for me. Like I think I am the most productive, capable mm. now at 33 mm. than I was ever when I thought I was supposed to have cracked the code 10 years ago. Mm. And some people do. But the reality is, is like, that's a good sign. Because mm-hmm. now, to be honest with you, it gets me pumped for, where am I going to be at at 43? Yep. Because now, where I thought 33 would feel ancient, I feel like I'm in my prime. Absolutely. And it's a different, it's a, like, I, I am so about the long game, dude. Like, I love that you brought that up. Because to stick something out long enough and to have that. But again, bro, like, sometimes I don't think about it. Because that's how my brain thinks. Mm. 
And I just go, surely you understand because you've been in martial arts too and you know how to, <laughs> you know, reach for the, and I'm like, no, you don't. Yeah. And that's okay. But, you know, there's people that are like, well, I tried like three videos. Mm -hmm. I posted. I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, like I love on YouTube, Mr. Beast. He's like, hey, your first videos are going to suck. Mm -hmm. He goes, improve 1% on every single video. Get to 100, then we'll talk. Mm -hmm. And that's a young cat who knows the long game. Yep. Yeah. And so we don't even got to go down that tangent, but <laughs> that's like a huge thing. It's like, no, like even we were talking about with the, with this podcast. Yep. You know, you're like, dude, I'm in this for, I'm trying to, you know, I'm trying to get to 250. Mm -hmm. Like I'm trying to get to episode 250 mm -hmm. and like you are way away from that, but you are exactly in route to get there. Yep. Busting through stats, all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And that is really, really cool to hear for anyone that is involved in creativity and wants to have something meaningful. Even us as artists, we have to go through life. Yep. And we have to like let this stuff steep long enough. And that's what I realized about this record mm -hmm. is I had to go through the stuff that I've gone through. And I, I know that that is just like so duh. Yeah. But genuinely, like a decade of not releasing anything like this to have gone through something, I, I'm not trying to just write something I think I know about God mm. or about life, what I've experienced. I'm like, I'm, I mean, I'm drenching this thing. Mm. And hey, I don't know what it's going to be like another 10 years from now. But at least what I know the last decade mm. from 23 to 33, which has been a blink, this is what I've found to be true. Yeah. So, yeah, dude, the long game. That's good. Mm. Yeah, it's, um, you know, when I think about our kids yeah. and like the world that they're going to grow up in and... I don't know. I don't even have a point here, but I think just even in just in pondering, like recently I've been thinking a lot about like what's it going to look like for them, you know, like when they're in high school, which still is like 13, 12 years away, which, which, which seems long, but it's not, you know, it's going to come super fast. Yeah. Um, actually, here's a good example. I was just looking at, it's like zero to 20 feels super slow, but like everything after that, um, I feel super fast and everything after that's like super slow. So like, for example, I was looking at, um, my high school posted a picture of like the, the staff. And I'm looking at like all my old teachers from like over a decade ago. And I'm like, they look exactly the same. And I don't know why I was expecting them to look different, but I feel like that it's, until you, and I haven't even crossed over to 30 yet. Uh, I'm getting close. <laughs> but I feel like there's just a different level of perspective in life that you just don't have until you get, start getting close to that 30, you know, range. Where it's like there's another, and, and I feel like I'm personally, like I'll be 28 next month. And I feel like the last year, I've learned more about myself than I did in the other 26 years. And, and, and I don't know what that is. And maybe even as being someone who's just like, you know, three or four, four or five years ahead of me, you know, you know, you're, you're definitely like have crossed over 30 and now have been able to process that a little bit more, but it just feels like, you know, there's so much pressure on high schoolers and middle schoolers with social media to like, 
have have it figured out even sooner than we felt pressure to have it figured out. Yes. And and I'm like I I don't even feel like I could even process what it even looks like to have things figured out until the next year or two. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And it's like I can't imagine. And, and I guess it kind of ties into like it's it kind of honestly makes me a little anxious about my own kids. Yeah. Because I'm like what what's going to be the expectation on them, and how do we ensure that they don't feel that at home, you know, or that they, what can we do to counteract that? What can we do to, obviously parenting, there's only so much you can do, but I don't know. That's just, that's not even a question. That's just something I've just been thinking about. That's really good. Yeah. And, um, I don't know. You're, you're five years ahead for, yeah, five years ahead. What would you even say to me as someone who's five years ahead Obviously, kids age you, so our kids are pretty close in age. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah for sure. <laughs> so I probably act like I'm 35, <laughs> even though um, you definitely don't. Would you say you're turning 27? I'll be 28. Or you're turning 28? Yeah, next month. I thought you were older. Yeah, most. I think. I think typically. I think it's the beard. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <I> think, <laughs> um, if I shaved it, I look like I'm 22. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like. Even in the self-discovery, and, and if there's anything that I even feel like kind of on mission to really like share with the younger generations is just to wipe off the pressure. And it's easier said than done. Yeah. But if we can play a small role in, in from experience, being able to, you know, explain what how to do that and just release the pressure of like, you don't have to be something by 15, yeah. you know, you probably, the truth is you're not going to be anything till 40 and that's okay. Like almost like yes. the, like being okay with like, um, not lower your expectations because <laughs> you don't want to, right. like, <laughs> you, you still want to like dream big and, yeah. and whatever. And, and yes, there are kids who by 21 have started million dollar companies. Like it's, For sure. of course the opportunity is there, but I think if you would talk, talk to them, they're at a very high level of maturity, um, uh, especially the self-made ones, you know, to where it's like they're just at a different level and it's not the majority. It's the very small minority, yep. the top, you know, 0.5%. Yeah. But I don't know. I worry a little bit for my kids. Yes. And I don't think I've started to process that until even the last six months. Yeah. Yeah, because <laughs> even in that light, like we see people who have hit hit those massive milestones of succession early on. And we don't often, um, we don't often get to see or pay attention to the story 10 years later, mm -hmm. 15 years later. Not that I wish the worst or not that I hope that anything happens. It's just more like, it reminds me of even like young stars or mm -hmm. whatever. Life has a way of broadening your shoulders, mm -hmm. of showing you, um, it's not like, how to lift more weight, it's how to lift the right weight. Mm. Uh, and I think like crossing into 30s was that way. I think a lot of people talk naturally about what it does to the mind, mm. how it helps cast off anxiety. There's people that go into the science of it. I'm not there. Mm. I can just tell you um, that you've already nailed it with the pressure thing is outrageous. Mm. Uh, 20s are for 
just absolutely flopping all over. I mean, I think your whole life is for flopping all over the place. <laughs> I've already said this, but like who in the world is trying, like I, Noah, I am so glad that I did not make it yeah. when I thought that I should have yeah. and when I wanted it. And I can take you back, man, to show you so many heights that I fell from that taught me like, like how to carry myself, how to pay attention, how to invest my time. Like there's just so many things that have led me to here where I just go, you know, whether it's the wealth of people that I've built with, yeah. that's taken time, you know, like I, like I want to be able to leave my children a lot of stuff but dude if i got hit by a bus today i was having a conversation with someone about this you know where they're just really heavy on like the financial side i'm like no no, no i want to leave my kids something even more than an insurance policy but like i also don't want to get hit by a bus and have never spent enough time hmm. cultivating the village that will take care of my children when a hundred grand dis disappears yep. when right now they don't even care about that. And maybe mm -hmm. they will one day, mm -hmm. but they're not alone. Like there's things that matter more mm -hmm. and the wealth of relationship and all of that stuff will far outlast any, anything else because yeah. it's paid for with time. Mm -hmm. And we all get 168 every single week mm -hmm. and we get to choose how to divvy that up. Some things are more demanding. We have children, hmm. but it's not even that it's that demanding. It's that we have set value yep. on we will be husbands and fathers that will commit the time. So we cash that in. They're not demanding it from us. Hmm. We are choosing to invest that money, but that's the, that time. But that's the same dynamic that I think as I entered into my 30s, and I mean, I turned 34 in, in, you know, a month and a half. So it's like, I'm really in my mid, I'm about to be in my mid thirties, bro. Like, <laughs> like nothing has felt older mm. and yet life has slowed down. Um, and priorities yeah. have been instated and other things are demanding my time that I get to participate with. And, you know, even just like this studio, like mm. I know it's right here. But learning how to say no, how to put parameters, those are all things that I think time and maturity like give you the opportunity for. And again, children do grow you, I think, like yeah. way more. But like, yeah, dude, like casting the pressure off when it comes to life and creativity, you know, we're talking to creative specifically and casting that off where when your life begins to change in any season in any way whether you get married you have children you change jobs you change locations you whatever it is um that you'll find the things that matter the most mm -hmm. you'll start to look in two weeks and wonder who reaches out to me if they don't hear from me those are the things that start to matter mm -hmm. who are my people and who's taking care of my family if i cease mm -hmm. the next day that really matters mm -hmm. So onto that, and just to add to that, um, yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah, dude. Well, to kind of come to some sort of conclusion, <laughs> um, what do you want people to know? So obviously, you're working on the album, yeah, the record, yeah. Um, hopefully, with the release in the fall. 
is there anything else you're working on um, that you want people to be aware of? You know, whether it's projects, whether it's life stuff, whether it's anything. Is there anything you would want to make people aware of? Yeah. Um, um, about seven months ago, you know, I we talked about this, started getting more and more interested in YouTube. Started a YouTube channel called Don't Quit Music. Um, geared to help, you know, support and sustain the artist and musician, you know, for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure and stigma around what success in music is supposed to mean. Um, there are people who need it to be hobbies. They don't need it to make money. There's a lawyer out there that needs music to be life giving. Mm. They're not looking for, you know, and then there's people who desire music to be a living and they want to, you know, so, um, I think the biggest project outside of this and, and obviously my wife and I are still playing, you know, so people can hang out there and see what's up. But yeah, the don't quit music, YouTube, um, post, second baby here in the midst of finishing up this record um that's going to take a big a big uh, bit of my time and priority Mm -hmm. uh, desiring to build that out and from the place of a lot of what we talked about today just processing the process and one uh committing to share what i feel like i have to share through my journey and both practical things and mindset stuff um but really desire for people to not quit prematurely when they deserve to stick it out for the long haul and not just for them, but for people who might really need what they're creating Mm -hmm. or really do need the craft itself to be life giving and to build community around that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's good. Yeah. I love that, man. Thanks for your time today. Thanks for having me. It was awesome. Um, thanks for letting me come in your new studio space. Yeah. Um, I know that's something you finished up pretty recently and I know you're stoked about it. So um, thanks for inviting me in and just your time to talk and share. And I'm excited just for the next, even for you, the next, the next decade, yeah. 40, 43, 44, like yeah. what things will look like, for sure. the lives you'll have impacted, the music you'll have created, the, the kids you'll have raised, yeah. you know? Um, and uh, I'm grateful to know you. Likewise. So thanks for your time and we will uh, maybe we'll do it again in five years and do a check-in. Sounds good. (laughs) (laughs) Sweet, man. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.